Hi, you're listening to Go See a Show, New York City's independent theater podcast. It's unfortunately been a while since the podcast got out to a hoi polloi jam, but I sure am glad I was able to catch this one. The company currently has Robert Quillen Camp's play White on White on the boards at Jack in Brooklyn, and I was able to speak to the piece's co-directors after seeing a performance of it. I'll let them introduce themselves. Take a listen. Welcome back to the podcast. I haven't spoken to either of you in several years, and that's not just due to the pandemic, unfortunately. So stoked to have you back on the mic. Let me know who you are and what you did on the show we're about to talk about. Uh, I'll jump in. I'm Alec Duffy. I'm a theater director and also the co-director of the Theater Jack in Brooklyn. And I uh, am was the co-director of this piece, White on White, with Laurie Parquet. Yes, I'm Laurie Elizabeth Parquet. I'm an actor, director, writer, teaching artist, Aquarius, and, you know, all the things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and yes, I co-directed White on White with my dear friend, Alec Duffy. And uh, giving away the fact that we are not in the same room together is the fact that I set up this question to the both of you where no one knew how to respond. So thank you for jumping in, <laughs> both of you. Uh, yeah, so a little bit different than we usually do on the podcast uh, because of uh, just circumstances making sure that we could get everyone on the mic to talk about this show. I got to see White on White at a Friday matinee. And it's, uh, as I stated before, we turned on the microphones. This is the kind of play that I'm still thinking about. And that's exactly how I feel all great theater should be. So um, I do want to start, though, with the same question I always start with every time I do the podcast. Uh, it's going to be a little difficult this time because I want you to remain spoiler free. But <laughs> when you tell yes. people to come and see the play, um, how do you describe it? What's your, your elevator pitch when you say, come to see White on White at Jack? We'll yeah, go with uh, start, we'll, Alec. <laughs> I was going to say, who wants to start? Yeah, there we go. Yeah, that's always the problem with the co-directorship. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> we always want to respect the other person and, and not jump jump on top. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I generally kind of keep it pretty vague. Uh, I suggest that, you know, what what the play is, it's a depiction of a meeting of a white anti-racist group, essentially. And kind of deals with some or, or, or displays some of the struggles that they're having, uh, living up to pr to the principles that uh, they preach. Essentially, um, that's that's kind of as far as I get. Lori, do you get much farther? You know, it's interesting because you know, early in the process when we were in rehearsals, I was definitely doing the this play depicts a white anti-racism affinity group. And, you know, they're meeting, they're at their regular meeting that goes awry. But then as we started working on the play and then we had previews and we started having audiences, I found myself and people would ask me, you know, what is the play about? I find myself, I found myself saying that it was about, it was an exploration of whiteness, but the idea of whiteness, mm -hmm. not even necessarily white people, but this concept of whiteness um, is what I've been saying in these last few weeks, quite honestly. And then like, I don't say anything more than that. And people's eyebrows kind of go up and they go, oh, interesting. And I'm like, yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's genuinely what I got out of it too. And you're, you're kind of forcing my hand into asking the question that I was going to end with, but maybe we're just going to start here. Um, because, uh, 
why we're dancing around, I think, uh, like making sure that there's no spoilers to the piece is because the piece uh, does have a lot of surprises, wonderful theatrical surprises, and it is a very heavy piece in terms of that idea of exploring whiteness. Um, I'm going to try to to ask this question, and if it really sucks, I'll just cut it because um, <laughs> I'm not sure I'm totally clear on my own thoughts here. But uh, as I stated at the top, like I love when theater leaves you thinking um, and it gets into messy questions like this. There's this line in the show, though, that really stuck out to me. Uh, and it, it's I'm paraphrasing, but it was something like, when should we try to be together and when should we stay apart? And the piece itself, and this is not a, really a spoiler, but you force us to literally sit with, with that question. Um, and it's it stuck with me. You got me with it and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm dealing with it myself. So while I think the play takes a clear position on the difficulties of the idea of whiteness and the way that culture, the culture that we live in tries to protect it, that question of when should we try to be together and when should we stay apart? That one keeps resonating for me and I don't have an answer. And I don't think the play takes a side with regards to that question either, I just threw a lot of words at you in this big word soup. Um, any any reaction to that idea? Yeah, I'm glad that you were struck by that question because it's a very real one. And it's a question that I think people answer for themselves all the time, whether consciously or unconsciously, right? Um, I, you know, I grew up in Louisiana and I went to white schools my entire life. Like I've actually have never been to a predominantly black school. I've never been to a predominantly um, diverse school in terms of race ever in my life. It's always been white schools. And so I've grown up with white people, have lots of white friends, people that I consider friends, but I don't know that I've been to any of their homes and they haven't been to my home. Right. I'm talking about in Louisiana. And so that was a question of when do we come together? When do we stay apart? Was answered in my life as a child growing up, right? I can, I can be educated next to you. I can be this next to you, but I don't necessarily live next to you. And I don't necessarily live with you. Um, And so I think, you know, in terms of like living a curated life, we answer this question all the time of when we are together and when we are apart, right? Like as New Yorkers, people ride the train and come together for that. But do you invite everyone on the train to your home for dinner? And the, 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 the checklist of whether it's like yes or no to that person is going to be different for each person. But we have a list there. We have markers, ways that we go about making these decisions of how to curate our lives and, whether consciously or unconsciously, I think we're answering that question all the time. And what I love about that question is that we have to be conscious of it in that moment. And I think a lot of us are sometimes surprised with what we find in that time that we're given to answer that question. And maybe are uncomfortable with what you discover about yourself and, and how you've answered to that question in your life. Um, but yeah, I don't think the play tells us how to do that. I think we decide how to do it every moment of our lives. You can't see me slowly shaking my head uh, as you've been talking. <laughs> so 
Um, that was that was a lovely answer, and I love that that idea of we're constantly making that decision. Um, mm-hmm. Alec, any, anything to add to that? Yeah, I mean, I think white people have a very specific experience with that question, mm. and um, I think. I think for black people, that that question is probably um, one that's very familiar and probably communicated a lot uh, or talked about a lot. Like, um, uh, you know, in terms of like a black space or preferring to be in a black space at certain times um, for that, uh, for the, for what that gives one. Um, and then kind of navigating between two worlds, the white world and the, the, the black world or the world of people of color. Whereas for white people, I think, <laughs> I think there's just an assumption that, well, wouldn't we all want to be together all the time? Or for certain white people, that <laughs> is. Like, I, I think for my peers and like a lot of friends of mine, I think there's just this assumption that like, well, don't, well, why wouldn't we want to like what black people don't want us around? Like, that's just, uh, <laughs> it's, it's just right, such right. a strange concept. Like, aren't we working towards more diversity and not less? And like, th- and and of course, a white person would never verbalize that, oh, I just want to hang out with like what I need tonight is just to hang out with my white friends. Right. <laughs> there, right. There's right. just not any kind of um, that is not something even acceptable to think. Right? It's just such a it's such a peculiar um, difference uh, for that. So that question strikes people for probably pretty, pretty differently depending on who you are in the audience. Um, I will just say that I think Quill, Robert Quillenkamp, also known as Quill, just, just, just does such a brilliant job of elucidating these questions in the piece. It's just so, um, he, he really does a great job of unsettling things, problematizing, complicating, troubling the water of the, these conversations in a way that, like you said, doesn't really land on a particular side, but rather just, just kind of brings these questions to the fore um, in a really delicate um, and sometimes brutal way. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you brought up the playwright because um, I do think it's worth uh, shouting them out and uh, because it is such a lovely play. And and to bring up that idea that this is a very theatrical piece that is not a uh, polemic screed about uh, whiteness or about, um, you know, how to be a good person in 2022 America or mm-hmm. 2021 as the, the, the case uh, may be with the play. It's set in a very particular day. Um, but yeah, it's, it's highly theatrical and, and gives us, the audience, all those things to deal with. Um, speaking of the play, I, I really want to get into the small uh, – possible spoiler territory let's try not to spoil it but if anyone's about to go see the play and wants absolutely nothing skip ahead a couple minutes right now um there's uh right at the top we get a Chekhov's gun kind of prop uh which enters the stage and it's awesome and it is very conspicuously brought into the room Mm -hmm. and we're just waiting to find out why it's there um which creates not only this level of tension but also in some ways it, it makes this piece into a horror uh, which is awesome. It's really fun to see and experience mm. even before we learn the truth about the prop. Can you just talk a little bit more about the importance of that piece to the theatricality of the story that you're telling? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think our process was really one of um, sh- discovery over what the what the piece would be. Um, and there was a draft early on that was very much um, 
rooted in naturalism all the way through to the very end. Um, wow. And I want to read that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> because that's not what we got. Okay, that's right. cool. And I just remember a, a dramaturgical meeting between Lori, myself, Nikauri Rodriguez, our dramaturg, our official dramaturg for the production, and Quill, the playwright, where we were unsatisfied. Um, and we felt like we wanted it to go in a more extreme to a more extreme place. Um, we wanted it to go to a more dangerous place. Um, and and a more theatrical place as well. And so we kind of ordered up <laughs> some, some, um, something quite theatrical. Uh, not, not that we didn't, we didn't ask Quill to write something very, we didn't give him a specific um, idea, but we were just like, this is, we think where we want it to be taken, where can it go? And then Quill came back with a proposal um, that has that was revised a bit, but ended up being what what you suggested and saw, um, and the metaphor started a little bit vague, I will say, uh, but then was honed. Then Quill honed that metaphor to make it really specific and and really related, quite related to both the struggle for for racial justice, but also the struggle of white people to understand their own white and grapple with their own whiteness. So that's a real. You bring up a really interesting point there, which is that it sounds like Hoi Polloi worked with the playwright to develop this script. Yes, indeed. Yeah. So the the most Hoi. So I have I've been the I was the founder of Hoi Polloi in two thousand five or so, and a lot of the pieces, um, I personally will start with a concept or something that I want to explore in a theater piece, and then we'll gather collaborators together and we'll spend, you know, six to 10 months developing that piece uh, from scratch. And often in, in pieces long ago, I would actually write the text myself, but then, but then, you know, began meeting other playwrights who were much better than myself and started getting excited about working with them. And actually Quill was a playwright who collaborated on a Hoi Polloi piece in 2012 called All Hands. So i so I brought him in. I said, hey, we're doing this piece on secret societies. I haven't gotten anywhere with a script. I just don't, after a few workshops, uh, would you be interested in writing for this? And he uh, he did. So I did a big brain dump with him about my research and whatnot. And then he created a script. And there, there was our play. This process was pretty similar. Um, about five years ago, I had been attending these meetings of white anti-racist groups and was just struck by hun how uncanny the conversations in these rooms were versus the, the conversations in public um, or even with my friends. Uh, there, was a, there was a high level of self-awareness of white privilege and of what we as white people could be doing to address, address our privilege in society. And... and um, the conversation was often spirited. And so I thought this was, this was something as a theater company, I wanted to shine a light on, but I wasn't sure exactly how. And so I kind of struggled with years uh, for a few years to figure out like what the approach would be. Um, and in fact, tried to like give it to other theater companies to like, to take and run with, uh, because I wasn't sure how to do it myself. So I remember approaching a young theater company that was comprised mainly of white people being like, you should do a play about whiteness. And like, here's an idea for you. And they never did anything with it. And so there I was still stuck with it. And until I had the idea again to 
to collaborate with Quill or to, to approach Quill to see if he would be open to writing towards that. Um, as soon as he agreed, then I reached out to Lori because I knew that to, you know, they're all a piece about whiteness could go all sorts of wrong with two white people leading it. Right. Um, it could just there's there's a there was a high high level of possibility that it could be adding harm to the world um, in a way that I did not want this piece to do. And so I approached Laurie, with whom I'd worked several times in the past, mainly as an actor, as uh, Laurie, as an actor and me as a director. But I knew that Laurie had been moving into directing over the past five years. And so I asked Laurie, would she consider co-visioning this play with me would this even be of interest to her uh, no offense if it isn't and <laughs> and maybe Lori, i'll let you take it from there yeah no i mean listen when alec called me and and told me about this idea he had had um and really it was an email first and i think in the email he said you know but i, I don't know that this is something i can talk about over the f- over email let's get on the phone and I was like already I was intrigued I was like oh it can't be over email interesting and then when he shared what it was I think I said so you want me to help you develop a piece about what white people talk about when no one else is around I am a hundred percent interested in that (laughs) I am a hundred percent on board and for me I don't know and I don't know if I said this part but I was just like this is an opportunity for white people to like tell if not the truth, a truth about Mm. their experience inside of whiteness itself, inside of white supremacy, inside of white privilege and inside of this world that uses all of those things um, on a daily basis. And you know, I'm thankful to Alec and I'm thankful to Quill for being so receptive to what Nakaori and myself brought to these dramaturgy meetings, brought to these workshops that we had over the last year and a half, because, you know, this is difficult stuff to talk about intellectually, let alone theatrically. Um, and I felt very much like my role was was layered in a number of ways, but like one of the reasons Alec called me was so that one, this doesn't create more harm. And two, for me to really tell the truth around what whiteness is, because I feel like one of the tools of whiteness is to be vague about it, to be obscure about it, to not be straightforward about it, to, um, to kind of obfuscate. I don't even know if I'm using the right word there, certain points of it so that it can continue to exist. And, you know, it became a running joke, but often like, you know, we would be exploring all kinds of um, surreal or absurdist things. And I would be like, Black Lori, Black Lori is like not feeling this. Black Lori is feeling like this is avoiding the truth. This is avoiding the thing, the very thing that is at the core of whiteness. You know, like one of the things I was always saying um, in our time in developing this was that like, yes, I'm for the absurd and yes, I'm for the surreal, but not at the, at the, at the cost of being true about what whiteness is and how it functions and how it persists. Um, and so I'm very thankful to Alec and to Quill certainly for being able to like receive that about 
pages that Quill had written. And I would be like, yes, but yes. And, or, you know, what about, and like coming for something that is so personal, because I am not white, right? I only receive whiteness on a daily basis, basis in my life and have that lens on it. And I'm thankful to Alec knowing that that lens was necessary in creating a piece like this. But I'm also thankful to Alec and to Quill for honestly being like open-minded, open-hearted white people around this topic of whiteness, because that could have also gone very wrong. You know, it could have gone another way. And I think the way that it went was one that was so honest and so true um, that you can't help but keep thinking about the piece well after you've seen it, especially if you're a white person, but also if you are a black person or any person of color, um, because it's so rare that we get to see white people, white characters on stage in the way that we see them in white on white. And to me, that's a treat for all audience members, regardless of their racial or ethnic identity. Well, the audience certainly looked like Brooklyn when I was there, which was very cool. And yeah. um, I am very thankful to the both of you, to your performers, to your entire team uh, for putting this piece out there because, as you just said, Lori, it, it, and, I, and I'll keep saying it, and I, I'm sure it's going to keep being true for several more weeks, if not months, if not years. I'm still thinking about it. And uh, I love that. that's, that's the way good theater should work. Uh, I know everyone has to get back to making more theater and other things <laughs> in our lives. So we'll end it here. Thank you both so much for doing this. The show is White on White. Uh, it's performing at Jack Through When? July 16th. Tickets and more information can be found at www.jacky.org. Brilliant. Thank you both so much for doing this. I'm glad we could find some time to, to talk via the magic of technology. And yes. uh, congrats on all the stellar reviews and keep breaking legs. Thank you so Thank much, you Robert. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you, Lori and Alec, for taking the time out of your days to discuss the work and for recording yourselves for me to make this podcast sound nice. Robert Quillen Camp's White on White runs through this Saturday, July 16th, 2022 at Jack, which resides at 20 Putnam Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. But hopefully you've already got tickets because it is currently sold out. However, you may still be able to score a seat in the audience. And trust me, you want to be in the audience for this one. Jack opens up a waiting list at the door at 7 p.m. If you've got the time, try to get in. This show is worth it. Thanks to you for listening into the podcast. If you dig it, please like it on Facebook, facebook.com slash go see a show. Follow at go see a show on Twitter and rate and or comment on the show's Apple podcasts page. My name is Robert A.K. Gagno. You can find me on the Internet at Robert Gagno, G-O-N-Y-O dot com. Until next time, go see a show. Amazing, guys. Thank you both so much. Beautiful. Thank you, Robert. I love your questions. You guys rock. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. I love the piece. So I'm awesome.